0: Just a little warning, this podcast has some swearing in it. Welcome to Phone and, and welcome to the party. Hello listeners, welcome to today's podcast. It's nice to be back with you. It's February here, 2021. I hope you're all feeling okay. Here in the UK, we've just had the uh, step-by-step outline for the next few months laid out. So I hope, um, I don't know what I hope, but I certainly had some big feelings about it. It's a lot to process. So I encourage you to take a breath and give yourself time to process that. I think I struggled with with the news on a personal level because I didn't really see myself in it. I guess you know, there's an end. So there will be music and shows and friends and gatherings at some point. So I'm kind of moving towards feeling really hopeful about that and letting that kind of be the light. This morning was a proper struggle to get out of bed guy. Really just lying in bed like, I didn't really have much to get up for today. And the thing I was really focusing on was uh, when I get up I'm going to bake bread, that's my thing I'm going to do today, I'm going to bake bread, yesterday I put it in my diary, I wrote it down on my list, tomorrow I'm going to bake bread, so this morning that was like the driving factor for getting myself out of bed. And eventually when I did manage to get up, my really lovely partner Chris had already made the bread and I burst into tears. Uh, had just had a big big old cry and um, that's that's where I'm at that's that's where I'm at it's kind of funny now that I cried because someone else made the bread um, but that's just like just at the bottom of the reserves there is not much left for resilience after so many prolonged months of this um, on that note though I'm gonna do a silver lining today's me and my guest today um i forgot to do silver linings with them and i know some of you apart from anything else just really like the jingle so here we go silver linings my silver lining of things specifically relating to things that wouldn't have happened if the things that had happened hadn't happened does that did i did i get that right art art drawing, painting. I have never been someone who did any drawing or painting ever. I was told at school that I was bad at it, which um, I could go on a whole other rant about because I don't really think that's the point when you're at school because even if I was bad at art, they still could have taught me about it. Anyway, so I just thought that I wasn't allowed to have it, that I had my allocated creativity, that that was music. Um, and that I was good at it, so that's the one that I'm allowed to have. So yeah, towards the end of last year, through not having anything to do, my friend, my very good friend Becca, has been helping me like, get into art, and she has such an amazing approach of it being playful and expressive and fun, and you can share what you want to share, and you don't have to share it, and you make it for yourself, or you make, can make it for others, and that's beautiful too, and... Just this kind of, yeah, just a wonderful, she's she's kind of welcomed me into the world of, of making art in a really beautiful way. So I have been drawing and painting. I've been doing online tutorials for watercolors. I've been going to an amazing life drawing class called Fat Life Drawing. They have an Instagram account, check them out. And I go every Sunday, I think I've been five times now, And I love it. And me and my friend Becca meet up once a week on Zoom to have Art Club. Sometimes we set ourselves a little challenge. Sometimes we just kind of meander through a bit of painting and talking. Um, And I'm just, it's a huge silver lining for me to have this in my life now. And I can't believe I didn't let myself have it in my life for all these years. So on to the podcast, we are doing something a little bit different today and for the next few podcasts. I'm still phoning my friends for lovely human conversations, but the focus of the podcast is going to be on a series of remixes of tracks from my recent album, Doubt and Reckoning. So for these remix episodes, I'll be speaking to each artist about the track that they've made, but also about their creative process and, of course, just lovely, usual, charming stuff about life. I'm really intrigued by the process of remixing. Having spent years with some of these songs, writing and playing them, and arriving at my final version that ends up on the album, it's been a really amazing experience hearing someone completely reimagine those songs. Today's artist is Cephas Tiam, also known as My Friend Pete, pete thomas we met when pete was playing music with a beautiful singer named mo in bristol about a decade ago they formed a band together called the night jar and they used to come and play my residency in bristol live in the lion's den pete makes beautiful algorithmic music with live coding it is very amazing and you can hear tracks from his ep feet of clay playing underneath me right now as I speak. I've really loved having this particular conversation with Pete, it's been a really stark time for conversations I'm used to having around the fire and the live scene and at festivals and rehearsals and in those creative spaces. So this conversation specifically stimulated the artist in me and we covered some topics that really excite me like sci-fi and fantasy which was really fun so if you enjoy listening to this half as much as I enjoyed having this conversation then we're going to have a really nice time so here we go with Pete Thomas aka Cephas TM Hi, nice that, How are you doing? Welcome to uh, welcome to phoning with Honan. Nice to meet Thomas.
1: It's very nice to be phoning with Honan.
0: What um, can you tell me how to pronounce your artist name?
1: Yeah, well, I realise that um, I've never heard it pronounced either. It's a oh. language that I don't speak, um, so I could be making a massive faux pas. But I'm going with Cephas Tiam.
0: Cephas Tiam. Yeah. Sounds good to me. What What languages are they in? The words Uh, Aramaic and Hebrew. Aramaic Um, and Hebrew.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've (coughs) I've not asked native speakers of either of those for the exact pronunciation. (laughs) So, but I think I figure that's fine.
0: When I looked it up on the internet, a constellation came up.
1: Right, that's coincidence. But I I like I like coincidence. So if you do find it, send it to me, and I'll um. I'll, I'll retrofit it as, as part of my backstory.
0: But I was like, "Whoa, it's similar to a constellation. That's really cool." He's named it after a constellation, which really made me like think of the sound of your music.
1: Good work. That's that's a fine link. I'm always thinking about outer space um, whenever I'm making music. Are
0: you? <laughs> yeah. Are you really? Tell like... me. Tell me why you're thinking of outer space when you're making music.
1: Well. I think it's, um, I think, well, it's just, I, I just love um, sci-fi. Um,
0: Amen, brother. Yeah. yeah. Me but too.
1: It goes, it goes beyond that. It's, it's like, I don't know, I'm very comforted by the idea that we're completely insignificant, um, I think, because I like to veer wildly between trying to take responsibility for everything and panicking about the state of the world, and mm. then it's, it's very comforting to remember that we're just a speck, floating on a speck. Um, this is merely a speck in the bigger in the bigger picture. So, you know, it's it's a comfort to uh, to read things that are kind of grappling with themes on a very large scale, as well as as well as the human drama. So, something about those two scales I find very uh, reassuring.
0: Did you say it's comforting to read things? Do you mean like reading sci-fi literature, fiction?
1: Yeah, that yeah. that that that. that stimulates ideas. I find reading things mm. um just like if I'm feeling stagnant music wise it's <clears throat> it's not always listening to music that will get me going again. It will be ideas
0: um that mm. you get from
1: books, fiction from philosophers,
0: um, from clever yeah. people who manage to put it into words for us. <laughs> I,
1: exactly. Do you exactly read some... do you
0: read uselaguin?
1: I do, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's
0: a favourite. <laughs> oh, my God. I only heard about her a few years ago, and I think the first year I got into... I read The Earthsea Quartet first, and then I read, like, four or five other books of hers just back-to-back. Um, yeah. That's cool. I th- I'm really interested in... Do you know, sometimes I feel like um, not a... Oh, what am I going to say? How am I going to say this? As an artist, sometimes I feel the pressure to be intellectual and over intellectualize things and to be, I don't know, on the front lines of like, is that, you know, is that our job? Sometimes I kind of, I guess it's what you're saying of like riding that balance between like feeling responsible for everything in the world and <laughs> trying to take it on. And sometimes I'm, I kind of shame myself a bit for. Loving fantasy like I just really struggle to read non-fiction I just can't sit down with it for long periods of time but when I read fantasy like I get so it helps me go back out into the world and make sense of of people and the environment and our relationship with it and each other and politics do you know what I mean
1: absolutely I mean it's it's so rich fiction isn't it and I think you know if you think of like non-fiction being about kind of accurately trying to describe facts you know in being very specific you lose ambiguity which means you lose richness so it can be a really amazing mm. writing I mean amazing way of conveying fact and idea yeah put in, in specific detail but then on the opposite end you've got fiction which which then you lose a lot of the kind of specifics because it becomes more ambiguous because things are um subject to the to the story but yeah. in, in in becoming more ambiguous then it becomes far richer far yeah. open to like much you know greater interpretation um so yeah I, I find it such a rich source of making sense of of the everyday um especially you know Ursula Le is a great example of that isn't she she's yeah. like called called science fiction, but she's really about she's she's like an anthropologist basically. Yeah. Isn't she, she's interested in people, yeah, and, and and society and culture.
0: And this like um, these like worlds of like specifically the the ones that I remember reading about colonizing. You know, it was like they were traveling through space and time, and visiting and sort of colonizing or like going up alongside colonies that were already mm-hmm. there and like watching how they behave. It was like super yeah gosh she is an anthropologist i've never kind of put that word to her before
1: well i think i think her i think her father was an anthropologist um so he's kind of yeah uh, that's what his his he's famous for i think and then i think her mother was a writer but only a writer in later life yeah so she combines the two but she's great at um yeah exploring culture on a wider level um i'm rereading Earthsea at the moment actually and um, i've got to the fourth book and it's just like an amazing exploration wow. of male and female power so she's she's mm. you know so switched on about like gender politics and yeah. different roles of men and women yeah so, she's cool
0: <laughs> so the new sephiseum is the new material that you've brought out this year and it's really beautiful and thanks Thank you. for making that music <laughs> can you talk me through like when you say you're reading and then you're getting ideas like how does because I do I do get a real like philosophical sense from the music that you're making how would you describe the new music in that context
1: well I think I'm not sure how much music is ever you know kind of truly about about things um <laughs> there's um to get over philosophical there's a book by Susan Langer I think who discusses like symbols and um, the human ability to like convey meaning in symbols and she describes music as being like the unconsummated symbol in that it's full of meaning but what that precise meaning is you can't really pin down Um, and I found (laughs) especially making you know music with words in is a different matter because you actually start to convey meaning uh, in a way that like that is more direct Uh, but as soon as you start to make music without any words in it then how much you can say it's about anything I don't know but I think it really what the the ideas that you're engaging with whilst making it and the kind of themes and concerns you have Mm. um just are such a key part of what form it ends up taking Mm. so I've, I've kind of become less concerned in recent years about about kind of how those ideas find the way into the music but I find that unless I am engaging with a background activity that's fundamental to, to
0: you know, having yeah. the spark to make the music.
1: But I've no idea Being how... the human
0: who's making the music, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I
1: yeah. um, don't know if that answers your question. No,
0: yeah, it really does. Um, so I've known you through, like, well, f- probably, well, through The Night Jar, through singing with Mo at my old nights. At the, I think I probably met you at the Golden Lion at the Lion's Den. Yeah, which was probably about Mo, 10 years ago. Yeah, when I you and Mo sang so, yeah. kind of folk songs and I was introduced to you like through the folk world and Fire in the Mountain Festival and lots of like old songs and old stories and like very lyrical music. And I think through like watching the Nightjar evolve and talking to you about creating that very like instru- like organic instrumental music I, I found out that you were really into field recordings but I hadn't I had no idea really that you had this you invited me to your studio and you had been like coding algorithmic synth making music and I had no idea that you because I'd just seen you as a you know out at, at folk gigs I had no idea that you had this like world of that electronic sounds and what was your journey to finding that kind of electronic music
1: well that's that's kind of how I started um well certainly how I started when I went to university before that I was like classically trained um but what there instrument
0: was, like, did you were you classically uh, trained in
1: piano wow um so there was like a decision where before going to university whether it was to go to a conservatoire and pursue piano um or whether to like go and do something electronic mm-hmm. I've been warned by music teachers that it would be a lot of kind of just just playing other people's music and really drilling um, kind of bigger works. And I thought that I'd I'd lose lose faith that I wanted Mm. to make stuff. So I went to university and did electronic music um, and kind of then came out of uni having, you know, engaged with lots of exciting experimental music and synth pioneers of the 70s and all this exciting stuff. Um, with no idea how to make uh, a living. <laughs> and so, you know, after a while, it, was, it just became that I was pursuing stuff by being on my own, clicking at a computer, and I, I, I kind of lost faith in that. Mm. So I just got back into playing music, music, music. Yeah. Um, and for a while, it was like drilling myself to play jazz. And then I, I think I, I was recording a band in Wales after Fire in the Mountain. I wasn't after Fire in the Mountain. Who knows? Anyway, they didn't have a double bass player and I just said that I played double bass, but I didn't really play double bass. <laughs> but then I went and borrowed one for a week and then managed to somehow blag three gigs in a row with this with Cutter Shine.
0: Oh right. Then,
1: yeah, before you know it then, you know, after all this hard work trying to make money out of music playing the piano, I borrowed a double bass for a for a week and suddenly I was kind of getting Making paid paid for work. So. <laughs> Which is not to undermine the, you know, the importance of the double bass player. It is it's not easy. It's not no, easy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, they command respect. But somehow I winged it for a number of years doing that and then, you know, just became so enamoured with just the quality of musicians in that world and how flexible people were. And how people could sit down having never played with each other and just having this shared body of work, this shared repertoire, could just like play for five hours together and it was all shit hot.
0: Yeah, um, so
1: it just blew my mind totally. I mean, the
0: people um, that you surround yourself with are just some of the best people, like most playful, creative, yeah. talented people I've yeah. I've met on the scene. I think
1: they're, they're wonderful. Uh, but it's yeah. been, yeah. But it's been in in recent years. So then then that all kind of culminated in starting the night jar and then releasing that, that album but you know making that album I really didn't have the flexibility with the electronics that I wanted to um, yeah. it felt really stilted like compared with just the music I make spontaneously by playing the piano or the guitar it didn't it felt stilted um so uh then I just decided that algorithmic music was the way to go and that I could learn to improvise with code um and at the same time I retrained from being a teacher which I was doing on the side to being um, a developer um because it's something that excited me and I needed to uh <laughs> carolina to live in to have a have a child
0: yeah. at my house
1: um so the kind of the code writing then all, all all started coming together and that helped me with the music stuff um and so yeah before you know it's I'm a kind of coding folk musician, whatever, <laughs> that, whatever that looks like.
0: Can you explain for listeners who aren't musical at all what what algorithmic music is and how you how did you make it?
1: Well, I I would describe all music as just patterns. Um if it if it wasn't patterns, if there's no kind of discernible pattern, whether on like a kind of macro scale or on a micro scale, then it would just be chaos. So you know, folk music is a great example of this. It's just patterns that go round, round and round and round. Um, and there's bigger patterns that kind of connect all the little patterns together. Yeah, and little patterns okay. that. And of course, you've got the human element in there, which means the patterns can't be can't be tied down so much. Um, so, algorithmic music, even though it sounds like it would, you know, write, writing code would have very little to do with music. It is still just writing. Some kind of script which spits out patterns. Um, and the beauty of it is that um, because the computer does the heavy lifting, the, the, the level of intricacy you can have with these patterns can be like just so expansive. Um, and
0: what's an example the, of one of the patterns? Like, what does one of the scripts do?
1: A very, very simple example would be you could set a pattern of notes on and off. And that could just output MIDI notes on and off of a certain kind of pitch. Yeah. Something like that. So that would be a very, very simple example. But then you can also, you know, have a pattern going against that. And then you can, uh, I mean, so maybe like a visual example is, is better that if you kind of have points that are the right angles of each other, they can, they can create um, a circle. Uh, and then you could add some other mathematical process to that circle to make it split off into eight different circles and 16 different circles. Okay. So you can have kind of like sonic equivalents of that where, yeah. where you're generating a single sound and then you apply some math to it that kind of sprouts a bit out of it and sprouts another bit out of it. And then you could also then have the patterns to be to change over time as well. So so to go with the visual metaphor, things could grow out of other things and you wouldn't be controlling that, but you'd have set the um, conditions for that, that kind mm. of growth and change to occur. Yeah, um, it, That's quite abstract, um, but it's certainly more exciting than me reciting code.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's really interesting. That's really <laughs> lovely. And so then you can play, the hu- what's the human element then that comes, because you sort of said, you know, like folk music, there's patterns, but then there's a human element. How does the human... Yeah, come well, you've into got the to, algorithmic
1: you've got to build that back in certainly like if if things yeah feel mm-hmm. too machine-like I mean that's an aesthetic all of its own isn't it the things sound really machiny but I, I want it to feel like organic and warm and lush and growing and unfolding of its own and um, mm-hmm. so I, you know I, I don't want to disguise the machine element but I do want to feel like it is yeah organic <laughs> so some of that can be you know as simple as playing along with it but I'm also trying to design systems at the moment where the things that I play are also read by the computer and that will affect what it outputs next so there's some kind of dialogue between the two
0: yeah
1: and then of course like you know I'll, I'll set my creative process is to set off some kind of changing infinitely complex pattern and let it go for 10 minutes and then I'll I will, you know, that will have like twenty layers, and then I will sift through it, the recordings of it, and make human decisions about what happens and play Uh, play certain things over. And then you're
0: editing an arrangement from
1: yeah, embellishing and and having that kind of uh, that basis as a starting point is just it's just great. I find it so freeing when you've got like a empty page, every decision needs to come from you the mm. composer i find like the decisions i'm making are completely arbitrary and i end up getting a bit nihilistic about what i'm doing like you know what what is the point of this whereas actually yeah. if, I've, if i've if i've set something off as a, a kind of mathematical process mm. um and then i'm i'm editing and embellishing that and it feels like at the core of what i've got is something that's kind of mathematically harmonious, and I find that quite comforting. I think it's probably the same thing as as the thinking about outer space that it kind of makes it less kind of self introspective and more about some kind of global mathematics and yeah. less less to do with me and more to do with the universe.
0: I remember a producer called Danalog, um, who's part yeah. of Comet is Coming, and and um soccer 96 and lots of things and does great
1: great stuff with alabaster yeah, yeah yeah brilliant um, stuff
0: yeah great dan love dan he he said i watched an interview that come is coming did and and dan said something like i'm going to paraphrase but something like when we're creating music we like to um, exist in outer space. Like we <laughs> lied to late. like, like you're saying is like, I like to, you like to sort of be creatively in outer space in that space. And I, and I, I remember seeing him at a festival afterwards and asking him like, what, why, what do you mean? And he said, well, then there's endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes you like collect these nuggets along, <laughs> along the way in your life. And I really picked that one up because I think endless possibilities are sometimes what terrifies me about songwriting and what stops me from sitting down in the first place mm. to even think about getting myself into creativity. But, you know, his kind of openness and excitement and passion for that, I really wanted to, like, yeah, I wanted to pick that up. Or I want, I want to be in outer space and just feel like anything is possible in this moment. And I think I'm so quick to judge ideas before they come out um so yeah I think
1: it's the same same that's really such a nice way of putting it isn't it and it's the same technique as assuming a character that that's writing or singing I think it's just something that removes it from yourself
0: yeah
1: it frees up your own limitations removes them
0: yeah and Um, I yeah I feel like I'm I'm just in a really good place with my creativity at the moment um so many reasons why one is I've got a free space that is free from like there's a financial freedom at the moment because Mm. my partner is earning enough money so that we're not having to sort of panic in this year and then my friend is letting me use his studio for free so I'm not having you know I get I get to go to this space um and also my album is kind of still in uh, circulation. So I feel like the audience, the fans who I would normally sort of worry about, or the industry, they're looking in the other direction. They're looking at the album and they're not looking at like me and what I'm making. And I'm not playing live gigs and I'm not rehearsing with my band. So I'm not thinking about writing for things that will work for the band and like mm-hmm. how, or I'm not writing something in my acoustic and taking it straight to the band and only being limited by like what we can manage. Um, and so I'm for the, I think almost maybe for the first time <laughs> creatively i'm i'm like allowing myself into that space that you're talking about and that wow. dan talked about and i and i don't care what i'm writing i just am loving that i'm writing it and it it's the first time i've allowed myself that freedom and yeah it's really amazing uh, it's
1: L- long may that continue yeah. and, and it's interesting that you described the um the circumstances that have led to it and it, yeah. it does feel sometimes that sometimes like things align and allows you to 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 like make really freely and then other times those circumstances change and, and it's more of a struggle so it, i just like yeah long may that continue for yeah, you
0: it's great and
1: it <laughs> invariably will change and you know
0: yeah
1: it's just how it works isn't
0: it But yeah it's great yeah so um thank you for making this remix it's really beautiful how can you tell me i'm just so interested i'd like to ask a couple of really like basic questions so like why did you choose day to day this song off the record to remix
1: i felt like it had the most space in it um And it was the most the one that if i just listened to the vocals i found was the most ambiguous um that could be least pinned down to a to a style Um, and that would give me more movement within that um whereas others of them i felt they're so strong and characterful um that i didn't know whether there was any space for like trying to move them into another place um so um so I felt like there was there was room within it there was ambiguity within it that would allow me to yeah have more more room to maneuver.
0: That's interesting because when I wrote the song I was interested in I was experimenting with um moving the chords and trying to leave the vocal to be like very like how still can I keep the vocal and Mm. how much can I move the chords around I mean the song's got my version has like 11 chords or something in it it's like silly like that um so that's really interesting that when you have the vocal of course because i tried to keep it very still and yeah that yeah i was, I was able to
1: totally reharmonize it yeah. um so and that's 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 interesting you say that because that must only have been possible because yeah, the vocal doesn't move that much, and that's the approach you were taking. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was entirely possible. I wrote loads of different ways the chords yeah, could you, work.
0: Yeah, you I love yeah. that. I love hearing how you've rewritten the chords and how that changes the melody. That's the that's so magic. Isn't that just magic? That's some sci-fi stuff. Hey, woman with a ticket clenched in a fist. Is this your So how did you did what stems did you use from the original track?
1: Um I think in the end it was just your vocal and um, some yeah. of the, the drums as well. I
0: feel the madness of your control. I wondered um, where you got the drum sounds because they sounded really organic like they sounded like real a real human hitting a real drum.
1: Yeah, I think most of the drum kit is yeah, is from um it's all the drums themselves are like algorithmically generated yeah um so that's what listening back it does sound quite human that's because a lot of the variety of like having sampled hits there's a lot of like fluctuation in how they do stuff so it does sound more human than i thought it was going to turn out um but uh, yeah it's mainly the vocal and your backing vocals um Mm. So, yeah, so that's that was really the focus. And I tried like a few different approaches. The first um, the first thing came out just too industrial. Um, I pursued <laughs> it for a few weeks and then just was like, it's just not right at all. I had another, <laughs> <laughs> another go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I used kind of algorithm start he started all off and then just work into that and embellish it and play over the top of it. And,
0: how did and, you um, – because I didn't record the vocal to a click. So how – if you – if you're using the you know does the algorithm of the drum samples you know the creation of that do you feed that through a set bpm or metronome
1: yeah i did but i had to I had to, um i had to bend your vocals to certain okay yeah um certain yeah changes in yeah. in tempo so there's a bit of kind of give of the backing like changing bpm but also like trying yeah. to mold your vocals and then um, when i found when i doing the night is that um Mo the singer just as soon as you put her in front of a click all of you know she's a magic singer and the magic um, just doesn't come across she just does not enjoy it at all yeah. so we ended up recording a whole album of stuff that was not to a click um, but having to multi-track it so then somehow having to try and put other layers over the top wow. and I, I just discovered that actually that there's a lot of give in voice yeah. um, of being able to like retain the phrasing but but actually make it Kind of set
0: to a grid. I really, it's something I, I really set. like hearing. I think it's probably a nightmare for people remixing these songs, but there weren't most of them aren't to, to click. I think there's one song on the record that's to click. I really like hearing the vocal back after people have molded it to mm-hmm. a click because it it it. I have so much expectation listening to not expectation. You know, um, my brain has mm. it, it, it 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 thinks. That, that the songs, because I've written them and spent so long playing them and recording them and listening in mixes, I, my brain is like, it thinks it's predictable and it knows exactly what's going to happen and like where things are going to shift. And I'm just loving the remixes bending my brain in really subtle ways, like listening to the vocal and, and you're, hearing. You're,
1: you, you probably start to breathe in places that you wouldn't have, have taken a yeah, breath and yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, I imagine. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which must be like physically quite strange to yeah. When when I listen back to myself singing, I can't help but physically respond to to the song. You know, can't help but physically kind of breathe with the recording. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, must must
0: yeah, be slightly strange. Which do you prefer, like in terms of working with a like taking a track? So you know, you know, like taking the stem of my vocal. And building something around it and having to work within because there's some parameters there when you've got a stem that you're definitely um, glued to um, versus starting from scratch you know improvising with the algorithms like do you have a preference or what what's like the pros and cons of both <laughs> processes
1: i am um, yeah to be honest i haven't done many remixes at all um so the only kind of um similarity in process was doing the night jar album where yeah. we had a lot of vo- vocal and guitar stems and then we had yeah. to sort out some something behind them yeah so that would be the only experience i've had of doing that and, it, and it's great you know having limitations of any sort um, can be very freeing because it kind of you, you can't make decisions in certain directions so you end up focusing on detail in other ways yeah um so as, as like a creative exercise yes yeah, it's, it's
0: it can really be very productive do, can't yeah, it, like sure. having limitations yeah for sure
1: and it forces you to make music that doesn't sound like the music you normally make which is also great because you're yeah. know, thinking as you were saying about about ways of minimizing your being in outer space <laughs> is, is some, you know, you you've removed limitations, which is your own stylistic choices, because certain choices have been made for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, to tidally get bring themes back, it kind of puts you into outer space a bit. Yeah. Did
0: yeah. you come? Did you come up uh, against any? Because I I feel like when I'm making a song, there's always a moment where I'm like, oh, like that kind of that limit where you do come up against that limit and you you know were there any making this song yeah in this remix were there any like i don't know like obstacles you had to climb over that you can remember yeah certainly the
1: first one was was getting the vocals to to somehow sit not not be so free tempo wise that was kind of the main technical Mm. um thing but I, i would say it was that um that being siphoned into stylistic choices you wouldn't normally make um, yeah. and there being a bit of a barrier there about you know I can be so so kind of precious about the music I make um that to make music that doesn't sound like kind of my ultimate vision of mm. where I want my music to go stylistically was like I had to get over my own bullshit there and just be like, well, actually, that's the point of doing a remix is mm. that it should sound somewhere between the artist you're remixing and your own take. It's, like, yeah, it's a
0: collaboration. There's,
1: there's, totally, and yeah. it means com- compromise in, in both ways. So I've, I found that just very liberating. It's definitely something I'm going to gonna pursue again and get in touch with some other people yeah, to Yeah, nice. Do some, yeah.
0: And did you... I. Because I always find whenever I do some kind of collaborative project and I'm playing a style I don't normally like, there's always something you can bring home, you know, afterwards, Mm -hmm. like, did you discover a new, you know, you can discover a new sound because you had to actually this synth has to sound different because it has to go with, you know, did you use sounds that you've not used before and things that you actually might bring back? To your totally. I
1: would say rather than sounds, it's space. Um, mm. because I kind of built up the whole track, um, and then mixed a lot of it without the vocal in there just to focus on the detail of what the music was doing. It. And then when I brought back in the um, the vocal, it was kind of like getting it to sit in the correct you know distance,
0: yeah, um,
1: felt very difficult. So there was, there was a lot of like exploring how to make these these kind of layers. Um, so yeah, really. Mm. Having to somehow have the vocal being the focal point without it being right up front, um, I think is the thing I'll take away from it. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So being able to like put something as the soul, the big bit of attention, but have it um, three metres away from you. Yeah. um, Some kind of chasm is an interesting. I really
0: struggle with that in the mixing of my own music. Because I hear my voice so differently in the track to everyone else. And that idea of having it sit in the mix so that you're reaching for it and or the times when it needs to sit out you know like yeah that relationship with like what you make the focus of the song whether it doesn't always have to be the the vocal but like how do you make the focus of it without it being in your face you know that's not that's sometimes having it in your face is the way as well like depending on the track but yeah oh interesting cool
1: it's the, the thing that people always latch on to is the voice
0: um, if there is the, a voice just, yeah if do, there is a yeah, voice you go yeah.
1: straight for it um so yeah, sitting it further back means that they've got to kind of reach for it a bit and other things can be in their periphery, whereas if it's right at the front, yeah, then that's kind of perhaps as far as people go. Just engage with the vocal and everything else is just behind. So yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I <clears throat> could um, you know, mix something with my voice as being the main thing that must be such a challenge. because uh, it's so hard to to um yeah just to take a step back from your own voice.
0: Oh, I'll never hear, hear it difficult. how anyone else in the world hears it, and I'll uh-huh. just never know because that's just because as well because when you hear your own voice you singing it you you hear it in your re- reverberating on the inside of your skull and mm. your bones inside your ears, and you know like as well as what's coming out and going back in and like it's just so yeah, it's so interesting. Um, Isn't that ama-
1: amazing that like you, you will have the, the most in-depth knowledge of your voice as an instrument and in how to use it, but will have the least perspective. Least on what objective. It yeah. Stands,
0: but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. I um normally I start with this question, but we just launched straight into a great chat, so I went with it. But um, have you have you got something new and good, Pete?
1: Well, and. Yeah, we moved to Devon uh, about a year and a half ago when uh, my daughter, Frida, was born. And uh, then we lived in a log cabin for a, a year, uh, which was great, but it became very small. When I say a log cabin, I mean a shed. Um, and it was very <laughs> nice. Um, but we just, after the first lockdown lifted, uh, managed to buy a house. Um, so it was the first time in my life that, um, that I've got a kind of stable house with, with rooms in and um, I've got a basement so that's where I am now.
0: Wow that um, is new and good that is the most is new and, new and very good, good you can get be having um, stable housing.
1: Yeah I feel so you know grateful for it Um because it's just you know it's, it's light and there's a big garden which we haven't even started thinking about and you know we've got a 18 uh, month year old daughter runs around it <laughs> madly <laughs> bumping ahead um so that's pretty glorious um and so yesterday because it's coming to christmas never had a christmas tree so we got we got a christmas tree you've
0: never had a christmas tree
1: well i've had a christmas tree when i was young but i've never um in all the years i've lived away from home um, i don't think i've ever had a christmas tree oh um, wow so that, that was really cool what a
0: wholesome setup you have
1: now oh, <laughs> where know, in so where devon are you we are in the tamar valley
0: oh my um, god
1: so you can see Dartmoor is... from one bedroom window and you can see um uh more from the other one so
0: i wish i'd remembered that when we drove through the tamar valley this summer that was silly well, of me wasn't it oh
1: welcome anytime next time, you know next we've got a guest bedroom <gasps> you know you don't have to sleep on the couch
0: Hey, speaking of like earlier, how, we, when I was talking about the variables that had led me to my creative venture, like how is, how is that stability in space and, and your surroundings in Devon, how has that played into your creativity?
1: Yeah, I mean, as with all things, it's that, it's that kind of adult dilemma, isn't it? That, um, that in, you know, in, in having to earn a living outside of music I mean for, for I managed to achieve that earning all my money from music for a while and found it so full-on um
0: so dis- and, destructive
1: and it didn't actually mean that I had very much time for for creating stuff it was just yeah. trying to keep up with, yeah. with, with with gigs and
0: yeah um been there
1: so yeah so so then choosing to like I'm gonna earn my money from being a developer and do something different so then there's that classic thing is that now you know I've got a roof over my head and I can afford a, a synth I've got very li- little time to use it because um, you're working
0: as a developer and being a dad in all yeah, of your hours exactly. of the day so yeah. there's
1: all those things but yeah. um, but actually like again having those limitations I have such limitations on my time but gradually I mean I only managed to squeeze a little five track EP out and that felt like a a massive achievement to have actually done that much work with with an hour here and there in the evenings um
0: yeah so it doesn't as a listener it doesn't feel like a little five track EP it doesn't that's not how I would describe it. just so (laughs) you know it's like a really expansive world to like sit right in. So yeah. Thanks. Don't, yeah. don't have to use we just we use such diminutive language, don't we? For our I just do. made this little EP. It's not little, it's so yeah. gorgeous. Just and made rich. you know yeah, yeah. yeah, it's
1: just little, but it means everything. It's to just me.
0: my life's work. Yeah. <laughs> A tiny <laughs> Please, bit of like life's it. work.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so so there's yeah. that, you know, that it that being out in the countryside, you know, you you miss things like the inspiration of the city and that I very much appreciate it's been very different this year. Um, so there's that kind of inspiration, but there's a lot more space within my day as well, um, yeah. the, and there's much more of a routine, which I I find a routine really helpful to like, yeah. get regular time to make, because it's not you know I sit down. I've been getting up at five o'clock in the morning to do two hours before then I then get Frida up my my daughter and
0: um, well so and you just, do create you you're creative between 5am and 7am and then you get up with your daughter at 7am way
1: <gasps> better in the morning yeah I've what? just discovered that because I was trying to do I was trying to do it after she'd gone to bed so from 8 till 10 and like by that time I was just just yeah exhausted so, so what does 5am look like
0: at the moment is it really dark or is it a bit blue or what's it it's like du- it's dark yeah dark.
1: it's dark oh, wow. it's exciting and it's does that kind of change the kind of
0: music you make as well
1: like, i think probably yeah i yeah. mean ep was made um, was made in a little shed out of the back of the living shed um and i did lots of that in yeah. the dark at night and um then we were in the trees as well so there's owls around and rustling Ooh. of leaves and stuff yeah. like that so all, all that's great great stuff to hear yeah. um i've swapped that for my boiler at the moment the rumblings <laughs> of my boiler but i'm sure i can get into that if i um if i kind of get experimental enough. yeah
0: Lush. yeah that's my
1: next direction
0: Boiler yeah. music.
1: Boiler music. <laughs> Extractor fans.
0: <laughs> and one of the one of the remixes that Jilk made. Um, do you know John Wesley Jilk? He's a fantastic electronic so, no. producer. He named his remix. Um, he did this city, the opening track on the record, and he named it. What is it? Blown out. Something about hot air in a blown out airlock or something. And it was just like, oh yeah, that it's got this like. Kind of, kind of like sound at the beginning. Oh, yeah, um, I'll the share white it, I'll noise. I'll share it with you. So that's a genre. You're like, you're in. Get the yeah, boi- get the boiler going.
1: <laughs> great. I need to find like-minded people like that. Yeah.
0: You can, uh... I'll, I'll link you guys up. <laughs> you can just blow hot air each across the internet at each other. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay, that's great. I, th- I mean, that's. I'm just have loved everything you, we've been talking about. It's so, do you know, one of the things that I'm missing this year about um, being at live gigs and festivals is like really like spiritually stimulating philosophical conversations about music. Oh, this podcast yeah. is like such a lifeline for those conversations. And it's a great, it's a great plan, isn't it? Yeah, it's just been so connecting good today. And, yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much for sharing. Well, thanks,
1: thanks for having me and thanks for asking me to do a remix. Um, That's cool.
0: Have you got any um, other remixes or did you say you haven't really done this before?
1: Um, do you know, I do have a plug um, because, uh, again, another thing I've done this year is start a label with um, a friend of mine um, what? called James Cameron, who records under cams. And we we did the Nightjar EP together, um, yeah. mixing it. Um, and of course done various bits of bobs of tunes um so we thought we'd 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 start a label which is really just a website um you know <laughs> with a bit of shouting about it um, and he has just released uh, an ep yeah uh, called extramural which has got some of the most cosmic front cover art um, which i love um,
0: what's the what's the label a website it's called,
1: um it's called but metr Me music dot com
0: meter music yeah extramural by cams oh yeah beautiful on the
1: the bonus track on that is um a remix of one of the tracks by a guy called richard norris who Mm -hmm. is thought of as being the the electronic musician's musician okay Um, he does beautiful work so so that is just gorgeous okay um yeah so that's that would be the remix that i'd like to um to say share is with people gorgeous okay
0: yeah. cool thank you I enjoy I just can't wait to share all of this music with people that's so beautiful what a great chat and thanks for introducing us to some new music and to your label um yeah thanks for thanks for being on the podcast
1: thanks <laughs> thanks for asking me Nuala lovely to to see you yeah and to hear you so I'm glad I'm glad you're doing well um and in a very
0: creative space. Yeah, that is one of the good shining things happening at the moment among the dirge of the rest of it. <laughs> the rest of my life does just feel like a dirge. So, how are you going? Thank you so much, Pete, for joining us. But I didn't say a proper goodbye because we actually, he ended up carrying me on his laptop through his house to go and see his family, to say hello, which was really nice. Um, so I didn't edit a proper goodbye. And thank you for making the amazing remix, which you can all listen to in its entirety via the link in the description of this podcast. I've also included links to Pete's Cephas TM EP, to his record label and his band, The Nightjar. Just a world of really beautiful music for you to get stuck into. Another world of music to get stuck into, I've started a new playlist to accompany these remix podcasts featuring the remixes themselves, along with suggestions of each guest's favourite remixes by other artists. That's confusing. The link for that is also in the description. All of this and more can be found on the podcast page of my website, nolahonan.com forward slash podcast. There's loads more podcasts with these remixes to come so please subscribe on your platform of choice to keep receiving these small pockets of joy it's the best i'm able to put out into the world right now and i hope uh, it's brought some little bit of joy or break or something in your day today hang in there folks the hugs and the music and the sunlight is on its way stay safe out there Bye! Who you...